It's 12 and up, season 11, episode 8A, The Rileage, with your host, Jonathan Malone, and guest host, Eric Letterman. 12 and up is a podcast about Christian faith and culture in the modern age. Your host, Jonathan Malone, is the pastor of the First Baptist Church of East Greenwich, Rhode Island. Eric Letterman is the pastor of the University Presbyterian Church in Tempe, Arizona. And I'm sure I mispronounced Tempe. This podcast is brought to you by the Department of Motor Vehicles After Hours. We make waiting in line scandalous, sexy, and something you never thought that could happen before. Department of Motor Vehicles After Hours. And we're back. I'm sorry, I just amused myself with the idea that the Department of Motor Vehicles would have an after hours time. Ooh, after hours. What happens then? Um, that is probably the most risque I've gotten on this podcast. My voice just cracked even thinking about it. I've, I've regressed to a different time in my own developmental life with just the thought of the Department of Motor Vehicles being a place that is um, scandalous and sexy. All right. That has nothing to do... Well, it does have something to do with the episode today. Today we're hearing the Rileage. The Rileage! Someday I'll have a sexy and scandalous Rileage. Okay, I got to walk away from that whole thing. Uh, and I'm joined with Eric Letterman. We're now in season, uh, episode eight, season 11, episode eight. This is exciting, right? We're slowly, I, I keep slowing down the progress, but we're getting there. We're going to get to um, season 12 someday. Someday. Uh, Eric is a good friend of mine. Uh, I don't know why I haven't had him on the podcast before. And I feel, well, I was going to say I feel horrible about that, but I really don't. Um, I, I feel bad. I mean, I, there's regret, but I don't feel horrible. It, it doesn't wake me up at night. I mean, there's just like a nagging thought in the back of my mind. But, um, you know, those I've grown to just have the ability to ignore. It's it's a gift. So anyways, Eric and I are doing the Rileage. And uh, it's just Eric brings just this wonderful, just him, who he is. So we're going to listen to that, and that'll be it for this episode. All right, we had a lot to row about, so, you know, buckle up, enjoy, and make sure you pay attention to all the rules of the road when listening to this podcast. Rileage. I'm here with the Reverend Dr. Eric Letterman. Eric is the pastor of the universe, university, I can't say university, the, the university. university Presbyterian Church in Tempe, Arizona. Why did they pronounce uh, it? Tempe, Arizona. What did I say? You said Tempe. It's Tempe. Oh my gosh, really? Tempe. Yeah, they're particular here. I learned. They're particular quickly. there. They are particular. You have to put the right <laughs> emphasis on the right uh, syllable. There it is. Oh, right, so Tempe, Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, it's good. Northeasterner goes Arkansas here on 12 Enough. That's what I'm wondering. Eric, it's good to have you on the show. It's good to be here, Jonathan. This it's, is not it's... your first time actually getting mentioned on this show, of having presence on this show. Before, I, I wrote a couple of letters, and yeah. I was just called Eric the Presbyterian. Eric the Presbyterian. This was when I was doing the show with Charlie. This was years yeah. ago. This was a previous incarnation. And yeah, first year or two or yeah. three years for whatever when the show – that's what we like to call the golden years of 12 Enough, <laughs> the golden age. Now we're in the, kind of the uh, – Platinum. I, I was going to say tin. Um, <laughs> I'm supposed to go the other direction. <laughs> yeah, the leaden age. This, this is, they are going to call this the leaden years of 12 Enough because it's just getting darker and – some of this. Okay, yeah. Eric is, uh, I do want to say for anyone that's listening, Eric is not drinking Maker's Mark whiskey right now while we're recording this. Not at the moment. Not at the moment. Eric, uh, Eric, it's good to have you on the show finally. I am, I want to say in the presence of you and everyone else, I'm sorry I haven't reached out to you sooner, uh, but you never uh, badgered me enough. 
So it's not all my fault. Because I'm Presbyterian and we're kind. When did that start? We've always been kind. Since when? Just people haven't been able to see it through our decent and in orderliness. That's true, right. Do you have a committee of kindness? Or a subcommittee? We do. <laughs> subcommittee. <laughs> Eric and I served uh, churches at the same time in, in Dayton, Ohio, the birthplace of innovation. You betcha. Let's never forget that. Um, Cash and- register. What was it? No, there's a whole bunch of them. The airplane. The Wright brothers. Yeah. yeah the, the air. The airplane was invented in Dayton, not yeah. Kitty Hawk. That's yeah. just where they flew it. Yeah. North Carolina. All they offered was a big sandbox and a bunch of hot air. A bunch of well, which I, they've been given ever since. Amen to that, brother. So it's good to have you on the show. Disclaimer: No offense to our North Carolina listeners and friends. I don't think I have any. I know I don't have any friends, and I don't have many listeners, so I'm okay with it. Okay. <laughs> but I know you – You're going to edit this a lot, aren't you? <laughs> oh, I think so far I'm feeling pretty good about uh, this whole conversation. All right. So, Eric, we're doing the Rylage episode. Rylage. Yeah, and I thought about – I was trying to think of who's a good person to have as a Rylage. I, you know, someone who, who embodies rage um, – and you know what happened? I was reading a Christian century, that liberal rag, and Love it. And I was reading one from about 2015. Edited by a Presbyterian, by the way. Oh, my gosh. Is that John is, it, is this going to be the truth? Not anymore. So much. Well, not any, did he finally retire? Cause I know he retired from fourth, but I didn't think he retired from century. Oh, yeah, he did. You're right. My bad. I'm glad I was able to contribute in that process of thought. See, we're Presbyterian, and we're all about confession and grace, and so I appreciate you correcting me. Wow. Uh, <laughs> let me ask you this, Eric, before I go any further. If, yes, sir. If anyone converts to the Presbyterian fold through listening to this podcast, do I, do I get a commission by letting you do all this Presbyterian promotion? You get God points. I get, uh, and they count. You know, that's what – Later, the, but they count. God points is what my, my – um, the trustees always tell me when they talk about my salary. I'm like, well, we can't pay you with money. But you get God points. <laughs> Major God points. Yeah, I've got a surplus. God of- points don't pay my electric bill. <laughs> yeah, that's I got a surplus of God points and starving children. Uh, that's not true. My, the church is very kind to me. Need to make sure I say that because they are. They are. Um, all right. So, what was I saying? We should do a salary. You should do the salary edition of Twelve and Up. Oh. Salary comparison edition. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would. We should talk Baptist about Baptists versus Presbyterians versus whoever. Uh, Baptists are near the bottom. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Um, but I saw we're you... the highest per capita. Evidently, we have the highest income. Oh, really? We keep trading places with the Episcopal Church, of but course. I think for the last several years, Presbyterians have had the highest level of education and the highest income among mainline denominations, um, and yet not necessarily highest in pay. Huh. For their pastor. Huh. What does that make? And one of the lowest giving rates. We're like in the 1% to 2% range. Last I read. Maybe sounds, 3 I'm not sure. Sounds like a pretty waspy denomination. Yes. Very. 92, 92 93% white. Wow. Despite our efforts. So I was going to make a point. Can I make my point now? Oh, sorry. Jonathan, when did you get here? <laughs> yeah, right. So This is 12 and a half starring Eric Letterman. And oh. yeah. You were mentioned in the Christian Century in 2015. I was. Yeah, something about immigration and migrant workers in sanctuary cities. It was around that time. Um, you were actually interviewed and mentioned in the news portion of the uh, Christian Century. Oh, probably, yeah. In yeah. 2014, 2015, 2014, um, our church... Uh, offered sanctuary to a young man from Guatemala who was under threat of deportation, and he lived on our campus in our fellowship hall for 100 days until President Obama issued his executive order that changed how they were going to apply immigration Uh, law uh, in order to focus funds. People were like, oh, he's giving amnesty. No, it was a reordering, and basically Luis fell out of priority. uh, And, of course, he was also a high-profile situation, so the local ICE officer basically said, we're not going to touch him. So. Nice. See, now, if you told me that this was a part of your story, I would have said, hey, let's have you on the podcast. But you didn't tell me, and so you, we missed an opportunity. But it made me think, Eric must be one of those Presbyterians that actually speaks up every now and again. I and have I, been. Yeah. 
So that's why you're on the Rylage. Because you have an opinion and you speak up. Yeah, and the Sorry, voice. I just like saying that. I know, it's a great voice. That's good. Rylage is a made-up word, by the way. I don't care. Um, so. I added it to Wikipedia. Good. It's official now. No, I'm kidding. I didn't. But it should be. All right. My Rylage. This is an annual Rylage of mine. Every time of year, as the leaves start to fall, as the air gets a little crisper, as the holiday decorations go up, the Halloween decorations come down, and, and the next set of decorations go up, I start my annual rant. And it's a rant against Christmas. Amen. Preach it, brother. There we go. Bring oh, good, it. Good. Bring it. Because, and it's not that I'm against the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, per se. No. Heaven be per se. Yeah, per se. Far be it from me it's to be against It's a wonderful mytholo- mythological teaching that teaches us a lot and has a lot of depth. Go ahead. Wow. It's more, it's, it's, the, it's the culture's attitude towards Christmas that drives me nuts. That, first of all, I mean, this year, I think the Christmas um, commercials happen earlier than ever. I have no data to back that up. But I'm going to say it in a way that, sound, that feels true, and that way will make it true, which will maybe bring me to another rileage if we have time. It just feels like no what no, it doesn't feel like those Christmas commercials started earlier than they ever have before in the history of humanity. Right around Halloween, we're getting Christmas commercials. No, that's wrong. It's wrong. Before. Before Halloween, we're getting Christmas commercials. Wrong. It's just dead wrong. And I'm already starting to hear the stinking music. That's the stuff that bugs me the most, is the music. I like Christmas carols. Now They start on November first. Radio stations around here have start, they yeah. started the we're going to play music Christmas music twenty four hours a day starting November first we're bringing Christmas early folks now yeah now I have a heart cut me and I bleed I am human there are certain Christmas songs that do reach out to me that pull at my heartstrings but not this early you don't hear me singing Easter hymns right now do you Eric do you no because it's too early. And I don't know many Easter hymns that I would yeah, sing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We need more Advent and Lent hymns. Yeah. I, I, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, there's... We don't have any. Um, up we don't have grave, any. Well, up from the grave he arose. That's a good Easter hymn. That's an Easter hymn, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then what really bugs me is how easily churches are co-opted into the celebration of Christmas in December. What yes. day is... Yeah. Christmas is on December 25th. Christmas tide begins yep. on December 25th. And you have 12 days. 12, have 12 days. days. That's plenty of time. How much celebrating do you need to do? You don't need more than that. 12 days is enough. Uh, right. You know what? There's even a podcast called 12 is Enough to remind people. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> that you don't need more than 12. 12 days is enough for Christmas. So here's what I'm gonna here's what I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do and I'm gonna recommend to everyone. They should fast. They should abstain from alcohol. I say that just <laughs> say, I'm sorry, say that again? I didn't hear that part. Abstain I'm Presbyterian, pro- we drink. I, I got a drinking story about that. Go ahead. Wow. I thought yeah. Uh, Presbyterians and General Assembly, go ahead. Well you know actually um the people that drink the most per capita are Lutherans, followed closely by Presbyterians. Yeah, Lutherans, man, they can do it. Holy cow. They're good. They have They're no impressive. Shame. Not the Missouri Synod now, have you, or the Wisconsin oh, good. Synod. No, oh, no, no. They're ELCA. Yeah, ELCA. Way to go, ELCA Lutherans. I love my ELCA friends. Good for you. I've got to try to find the people you don't love. Um, no, so actually, in all, in all sincerity. That's uh, a much longer list. <laughs> Sadly. Um, last year I did. I said we preach grace, we don't practice it, but go ahead. Well, that's what I always say. Like, you know, I don't have to love you. Jesus loves you. I don't have What's that to. bumper sticker? It says, Jesus loves you. And in the fine print, it says, which is good because I think you're an ass. Oh, do you have to bleep that out? Anyway. I'd probably yeah. bleep out part of that. But or that, it says, but I think you're. Yeah. It doesn't work. Yeah. So last year, for the first time I tried this, I actually did embrace Advent as a penitential season. And I gave up meat and alcohol for Le- for Advent. I almost said Lent for Advent. Wow. And um, I'm going to do it again. Yeah. And I'm going to call other people to jump on the Jonathan Malone Advent bandwagon. Nice. And, and not only 
will you be a better Christian for doing this? I mean, that just goes without saying, right? <laughs> but you'll lose I weight. feel like you're going to sell a package for this for 1995. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. I'm headed there. <laughs> like, just have this, this, like, it's just naturally going to go there. <laughs> I will send you a month's supply of chia seed and flax seed. <laughs> That's all you need. It's all you need, right? It's all yeah. you need. And then you can have a rileage about people selling things during Christmas. This is different. This is for their salvation. Same. Right. <laughs> no, um, there, so, I mean, part of what was really interesting about doing a fast during Advent is it did kind of claim it as a different time. You know, I was, of course, invited to a number of holiday parties, Christmas parties and whatever, and happy to go. But I had to say, I'm not eating meat right now. And they say, what do you mean you're not eating meat? Um, it's Advent. I gave up meat for Advent. And then I have to explain it, which is kind of nice. It makes you think, why am I doing this? And then not drinking, that was even harder. Um, but to say, it's Advent. And, 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 it's not, and, and I think it's important to remind us why that penitential season is to prepare myself for the coming of Christ. Um, to say, I want to... You have a look like, yeah, because Advent is not only a preparation for the birth of Christ, but for the return of Christ. Go ahead, Eric. I would suggest Christmas is about, or Advent is about a preparation for the indwelling of God in our lives, period. Whether that be in the mm. form of Christ, in the form of God within us, in the form of God in creation. I'm very panentheistic, so. Yeah, yeah, totally. But the whole, yeah, totally. <laughs> I I have soaked up the the Tillic vibes. So no, I, I, I do believe do that it, it is a preparation for and, and and keeping our eyes and hearts out and ready for God's presence in our lives, which is already there. It's just right. a matter of becoming aware of it intentionally. And I think that really changes what the whole birth narrative is. It's not about the baby Jesus. It's about God with us. It's about Emmanuel. And that comes in many different forms, in many mm. different ways. And that has all been covered up by Rudolph and Santa Claus and Coca-Cola and beautiful singing of carols, uh, you know, on December 8th, in their Dickens, which make uh, or, or in, October. Right. In it's their Dickens the garb with their stone yeah, hats and right. scarves. And, and this, this mashing together of the Ugh. three birth narratives that makes absolutely no sense. And where the hell did the donkey come from? Because it's not in any of the texts. Get rid of the ass, people. Get rid of the ass. And I'm speaking ass in terms of donkey, of so it's appropriate. So you don't of, have to bleep that one out. No, I've got, that one stays. That one stays. Now, um, obviously, that's the donkey that is referenced in Malachi, which will be the donkey that takes Jesus into Jerusalem. Blah, blah, blah. When Jesus does that Palm Sunday entrance into Jerusalem, it's a 33-year-old donkey. That is an amazing story. And it, with... <laughs> Deep, deep <laughs> political and social connotations and insinuations that get lost. And Similar to the right. parable of the Good Samaritan. But I want to know, do donkeys live that long? I have no idea. I, How I do you know there was a 33-year-old donkey? Well, if it was there at the birth, it has to be older than 33. If it was there when Jesus what? was born. <laughs> Come on, keep up, Eric. Keep up. <laughs> lines are you drawing? Have another drink, Eric. <laughs> what the? So okay. I, I deeply appreciate um, the theology you're bringing. And I think I do like that idea of opening ourselves up to the indwelling of God, the presence of God in the here and now. I, I, um, I still hold on to it. I, I hold on to a kind of realist, um, I would say a robust eschatology. I've talked about this a couple episodes ago with Paul Ford. Um with the idea of the, the the second coming or the return of Christ. Um, and, and we could probably unpack that in a way that we'd find a place where we would both agree on that, where the yeah. the brokenness and, and the hurt of creation um, is mended, is healed completely, and we are you know fully heaven on earth kind of stuff. That is an, an important aspect of Advent. Yeah, and yeah. Lent, actually. But, yeah. yeah, and Lent, too. Both, but both seasons of <clears throat> contemplative... Right. Well, that's and I think Advent and Lent need to have a similarity to it. That difference, though, with Advent, and this is something that I, I think we do miss unless we take that penitential approach, is Lent is looking to the cross, which is essential, which is important. 
Advent is looking to the presence. I, I like I like how you right. put that, and what it means for Christ to be present, and also for, it's looking at the absence of Christ in the world. Mm. Why mm-hmm. is it that we have this yearning as creation, as individuals, to have Christ with us? Why do we need to have God with us? And right. and by letting things go, by fasting, it may help us open our own eyes. Or I should say, let, me, let me own this instead of help us. It helps me open my eyes to those places in the world and in my life where Christ is absent mm-hmm. or my awareness of Christ is absent, where I feel distant from God. Uh, and, and so then that desiring is, is there for me. Like I really need to be more fully in the presence of God. I need to have Christ born in this moment. Um, and, and, you know, however else you want to spin it. I'm with you. But yeah, that fa- so uh, so Eric, I'm going to ask you right now if you'll take the the Malone pledge for Advent. <laughs> you know, are you willing to embrace the penitential depth that Advent offers? Actually, that is that is how I take it. Well, I don't know about penitential so much as contemplative. So I see. It, for me, it's more. It is more it's contemplative than it is penitential. It's not okay. about just you know. Lent is probably more penitential, in my opinion, I in preparation for yeah. receiving the grace of God yeah. that yeah. was revealed to us in Jesus. Whereas I think Advent is less penitential, and again, it's just it's a contemplative season. Now, here's the here's the kicker, though. Okay, <clears throat> from the donkey. This is the, the kicker way from I the say donkey. It, from the donkey's, from the ass's mouth. <laughs> That's a different story. Here, here's what I say. Christmas is in December mm-hmm. because some bishop decided, how can we convert these pagans? Mm-hmm. Well, let's just adopt their yeah. rituals, their winter solstice rituals, and make it Christian, which is kind of the cool thing. And also kind of the dangerous thing about Christianity is that it is very adaptable. We have a long history of taking things that are good and making it awful. Praise music, for example. So what I say is the pagans are just taking it back, and that's okay. Mm. Let them have it. Let them have it. I will have my understanding of what Christmas is about, the Christ Mass is about, and the season of Advent, the the anticipation of God's indwelling Mm. in our world. And I can do that 365 days a year. So you're not going to celebrate Christmas this year? I'm going to because it's my job. Ah. But I have never, I have never been a fan of the Christmas season as it's understood in the right. secular world, yeah. which mean begins used to begin the Saturday or Friday after Thanksgiving, right? Thanks to Macy's. Yeah, way to go, Macy's. But, but now is well into. I've been. I was in stores in September, the end of September, and they had Halloween candy next to Christmas mm-hmm. ornaments that you could buy and fall decorations. What happened to Thanksgiving? What happened to seeing the Thanksgiving hymns and? Putting up the Thanksgiving decorations. I don't know what Thanksgiving. Give thanks with a grateful heart. That's it. Give... We... Oh, is that that's not that's it. Well, and um, we gather together. I think that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> that's a drinking song. We gather together. Yeah. Oh, good. I think so. I think up from the grave he arose is a fantastic drinking song. That's a good one too. That might be another podcast. Uh, drinking songs for Easter. Drinking songs for Easter. I love Our, it. I want to be a part of that. Easter drinking songs. I mean, whoever you invite into that one, we'll do a Zoom meeting with okay. like five or six voices, and we'll all. <laughs> that would be. You know what? We'll all get really drunk first, and that, that's twelve enough drunk. Drunk twelve enough. I don't think I've done one sober yet. Oh. No. <laughs> I know it's before noon here, but it's... Yeah, yeah. No, obviously I'm kidding. Um, I think it would be great to do... You know how they do those uh, uh, meals and and beer pairings? So you do a sampler of beer and a hymn, a sampler of beer and a hymn, a sampler of beer and a hymn, and just work your way through the resurrection story. Every time that Jesus is mentioned in a hymn, you got to drink. In addition... Oh, wait, that's college. That's seminary. Sorry, that was seminary. Yeah. Well, not not where I went. Andover Newton... It was a pious, dry campus. And moving on quickly. <laughs> so, the, I mean, I, I love how the Riley started. It started with me a rant, and then, yeah, it got to this nice theological um, examination of Advent. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's good to take the time to 
you know, to put aside that moment to say, let's recognize the birth of Christ. I really love the liturgical calendar in general. Um, I, I love that our new year is starting very soon. Um, and, and it just kind of makes me feel like we're out of step with the rest of the world in our time. And that, that's fantastic. And, um, you know, so I love that aspect. So I'm going to continue. I, I, for one, will continue to celebrate Christmas, even when it's not my job, Eric. <laughs> okay. Um, but, uh, you know, I will, I will try. Well, to so the it. thing about the birth, though, is that, it, you know, Mark has no birth story. Paul doesn't mention anything about it. So the birth story didn't even start to happen until late, at least late first There's century. There's no gospel right? of Paul. Paul wrote in the 40s, 50s, what, 50s and 60s and 70s, and there's I, no mention. There's no Gospel of Paul. There's Gospel of Mark. Matthew. But he wrote about Jesus. Oh, you mean his letters. Oh, his letters. Oh, that part of the Bible. I don't read that part. Okay. <laughs> You're one of them. One of them red-letter Christians. I know it's not mentioned. So the birth story is not is not intended similar to the creation story in Genesis. It is not intended to be a literal story. It is a and Luke and Matthew can't even agree. Was it the shepherds? Was it the wise guys? Was you know when Jesus gave the sermon on the mount in Matthew was he on a mount or was he in a low valley in Luke? Who knows? Who knows? That's not the point. That's not the did Jesus walk on water in John? I don't know, because in one part, the Greek is very clear. The Greek is identical. He was walking on the water, and later he was walking next to the water. Which is it? Which is We don't know. And does that matter? Does your faith, does your faith hinge <laughs> on whether Jesus was born in a feeding trough, in a manger, with a whole bunch of animals around, whether there were shepherds or wise guys or whatever, or if Jesus walked on water. If your faith hinges on those two things, I think you need to re-examine your faith. Wow. But it's a fun story. Don't let my church know I said that, okay? Um, I mean, it's... Actually, no, because I've preached the same thing. Yeah, it doesn't I bet matter. You they do. Yeah, everything. that yeah, rant came out Harris. so easily. I was like, yeah, he's done this. This is this is an Eric Lederman joint, right? Lederman joint right there. Right. That joint? Was, um, Sorry, go spiel ahead. Thing. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> whether or not we follow the literal, the idea of God being born is significant. And that's the idea of the incarnation. And that's one of the – yeah. I, I, I'm with you on the incarnation yeah. aspect. And that's Absolutely. what Lent and Easter don't emphasize the incarnation in the same way as Advent and Christmas do. No, they're very different. Yeah, and so it's, it's important to have that. They have a, a different emphasis on a different syllable. And we're right back to Tempe, Arizona. Tempe, Arizona. <laughs> Tempe. I can never live there. I like, where do you live? I live in Tempo. That's what I would just change to E to an O. I live in Tempo, Arizona. Yeah. Temp. Yeah, and you wouldn't be allowed. They would <laughs> Arizonians are known for their strong borders and their inhospitable <laughs> <laughs> they're inhospitable oh, cities. <laughs> well, no, Tempe, Tempe, though, is this this bastion of of this bubble of of progressive liberalism. We're one of the few cities in Arizona, one of the one of the early mm. ones that became as a city mm. open and inclusive for LGBTQ. Wow, it's because you got that university there and all those learned folks. See, smart people do things. Yeah, things that are against God's way. Actually, I totally agree with all that. I'm I'm, I'm right I, there with I, you. I, I needed to say it. So, all right, what's your what's your rileage, Eric? My rileage. Here we go. I have been thinking about this. Good. Turn signal. Sorry, say it again. Turn, sig turn, turn signals. signals. Turn signals. When people turn don't use, signals. they're in the car. Yep. For a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People don't use them. Oh. Even especially in and in Arizona, they are the worst. I don't know where how they are elsewhere. Say it emphatically, and it's true. It's the worst. Yeah. And they don't use them. And what they're doing when they fail to use their turn signal to mm -hmm. change lanes, to say, hey, I need to get over, can you let me in? Or to turn left or to turn or hey, I'm slowing down to turn. I'm not just slowing down to be a jerk. So, you know, I've got my turn signal on. Right. I'm just letting you know where I'm going and what I'm planning it's, to do so that you right. can adjust as necessary. And they it's don't a tell common you this. Courtesy. It is a common courtesy. And when people don't use them, what they're saying is, you're just in my way. Mm. Yeah. A long time ago, I had a, a, a long time, many, 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 many moons ago, 
I had an internship supervisor. I was chronically late. My family was known to be late. It got to the point where folks at church were telling us things started a half hour early just so we could get there at least 15 <laughs> minutes late instead of half an hour to an hour late. It was bad. And my mom yeah. was the worst. God bless her soul. I love her. She was an amazing woman, but late constantly. Mm. And he says, when you're late, you're telling everyone that your time is more important than theirs. Wow. And that stuck with me. And mm. someone told him that too. He had an internship supervisor uh, I, that said the same thing. Are you still late for everything? No. Oh. And I'm obsessively like even a minute or two early. I am late every once in a while. And sometimes, you know, you know, pastor it. Yeah. Life. It, it just, it, it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. It's just going to happen. So, but some people are chronically, chronically late, chronically late. Right. And when you don't use your intern signal, you're telling everyone else, mm. I don't care. That they're, they you're don't matter. And here's the crux. So this is where I'm going to get theological. As oh, far as I'm oh. concerned, for Christians especially, for Christians. if you claim the title <laughs> of Christian, if you claim the identity, the flag, the banner of Christ for your life. You hang that Christian will... flag and you say the allegiance to the Christian flag. Did you ever say that? Absolutely not. No. We no, had that not. in one of our BBS that we got from David C. Cook, and I told my BBS leaders we will absolutely not saying that, and we will not start with the Pledge of Allegiance. Did absolutely you also, not. Did you at least say the Pledge of Allegiance to the Bible? No, we didn't do any of that. <laughs> no. Good Presbyterian, we did bookend prayers, and we were done. <laughs> okay, so if you are Amen, a Christian, so if, okay. you were saying if you're a Christian and claim allegiance to Christ— you will use your, your, your turn signal because you are speaking through that turn signal to fellow children of God, whether they claim that title or not. Now. Okay, yeah, got to unpack the, that for me. Here's, so this all relates to, are you ready? Advent. Eucharist. Eucharist. Oh, you didn't see that. The big PhD didn't see that one coming, did he? <laughs> the little demon. No, no. And Jonathan is showing me two fingers that uh, I was showing you my by thing. I'm not sure. I just thought there's some interesting birds in here you'd like to see. <laughs> Love. So, no, here's the deal. Yeah. Here's how it relates to Eucharist. Now, Eucharist, Eucharist is a fancy word for us local church folk. It's Lord's Supper, communion, yeah, rip and dip, whatever you want to say. So, <laughs> rip and dip. <laughs> well, intinction, rip and dip. That's what we call it. So, wow. okay. That's the, the layman's term, the, the colloquial term. It's, it's, a, it's a term. Go ahead. It is. At the table, we are being called to make room. At the table, now this is my understanding of mm -hmm. Eucharist supper. Eucharist means it's a fancy word for Thanksgiving, right? It's a meal of Thanksgiving. It is a meal of radical inclusivity and abundant love. When Jesus had the last supper with his friends. And here's where we get the Eucharist wrong is that we focus almost entirely on the last supper. Mm. The last supper was simply an archetype for Jesus's entire meal ministry. You were who you ate with. And I think that's still true today mm. to some, in some respect. Yeah. Jesus's entire ministry was about welcoming those who had been marginalized, those who had been cast out, those who had been pushed, who weren't good enough to be at the center, to be in the power. And, and normally a rabbi, a student would come up to a rabbi and say, Rabbi, I want to follow you. And the rabbi would quiz that student, usually a male. Well, back then it was a male. Right. And they would either say one thing, one of two things, come follow me, which means I accept you. Now come and do mimic me until right. it becomes your own right. or go learn the family trade. Jesus flips that table. He's not waiting for students to come to him. Where does he go? Where are his students, his disciples? They're doing the family trade. So they did either got rejected or didn't even bother trying. Oh, He's yeah. And saying, you are good enough. Mm. Come follow me. Come be a part of this new thing that I'm doing. Actually, this new old thing mm -hmm. that I'm doing, resurrecting that, you know, Jeremiah 31, uh, my teachings will be written on their hearts. This is a part of who you are. Come be a part of it. Come acknowledge this thing that God has already done in you. Okay. We do some baptisms in Presbyterian Church because for us, baptism is the visible sign of the invisible and often unseeable work that God is already doing in someone. So baptizing an infant is absolutely appropriate because it is the parents and the community saying, God is already working in you. Hold on, my dogs are barking.
So at the table, we are inviting people to come and be a part of this community, particularly the people who are living on the margins, the people right. who have been forgotten, the people who have been silenced, the people who have been oppressed. People we are welcoming them. Jesus is saying, you are a part of this kingdom, okay. and this kingdom has come near indeed. Okay. And you are a part of it. Oh my God, these dogs. Hang on. So my point with the turn signal is mm -hmm. when we're using our turn signal, we are actually practicing the Eucharist, the Eucharistic meal of giving thanks for other people, giving thanks for the God's children, giving thanks for God, and showing that, hey, not only are we making room by telling you what I'm doing on the receiving end of mm. that, when I am seeing a turn signal and I slow down. Right. Because in Massachusetts, if you use a turn signal, then people will take advantage of you. Well, here's the yeah. yeah. So sometimes you turn on your turn signal, and I the person there's plenty of room for you to get in there. You start to merge, and the person speeds up. Right, which is like, come on. Now here's the kicker. Okay, I've done that. I knew full it. confessions. It full was confessions. You. Yes, pastor's gone wild. Full confessions. Pastor's gone wild. I, wait, no, pastor's gone wild. That's that's a different connotation. I've done it. I was in a hurry. Somebody was speeding around. Now, and mm. I feel somewhat justified because the person was driving erratic and being mean and being rude. Yeah. And so my closing the gap was about, hey, we're all going to the same place. We're all doing this. What makes you more special than anyone right. else? You wanted to close the gap. That gap yes. between the fast and the slow. Mind the gap. Mind the gap. So for me, the turn yes. signal is very much related to my Eucharistic practices. So it's so when someone doesn't use a turn signal and they just stop and turn left or right, you see it. Or really they just come into your lane without telling you what they're doing. Right. So it's inconsiderate. It's selfish. It's this, it's the world's just all about me. And right. when Christians do it, they're saying, "I don't see you." Right. And or you don't they, matter. Yeah, and if I or yeah, and if I if I, I just see in my you, way. but yeah, you're in my way. You don't you're matter. Just, you're an obstacle. You're not a person. You're a thing. You're an object. You are not right. a thing. You you are not a human being. You are not a child of God. Right. So what about if you're driving and you're by yourself? So when I go home, and you've been to my house, I live in a labyrinth, yeah. a, a, a suburban labyrinth, and I similar go, where I live. Yeah. Yeah, it's horrible. It's, it's suburbia. Yeah, Typical it's, suburbia. It's, it's void of of any life or passion. Um, and I'm trying to find my way serpentine through those lap the, the streets and, mm -hmm. uh, there's turns. What yes, if I, there are. what if there's no one else there? Should I still use the turn signal? If you do something wrong and nobody's around, is it still wrong? No, it's not. Yes. It is. <laughs> no, it's a victimless a crime. No one's hurt. It's not about victims. <laughs> It's about the right thing to do. Oh, it's on. about God is watching you it's, no matter what you're takes doing. It so much energy. To it doesn't. The and if you're in the habit down. of doing the turn signal, see, this is about Christian habits too. Oh, if you're in the habit a, of signaling no matter what you do or what you're doing, if you are in the habit of – it won't make a difference. You don't even realize you're doing it because you just automatically do it because you are so understanding of the fact that you don't know if somebody's in your blind so spot. Eric, you don't know if somebody's in your blind spot. But, all right, let me take let me let me ask you this. How do you know somebody's not? If it's late at night, you're coming home <laughs> and you don't know somebody's coming up on you and they forgot to turn their headlights on, which happens, right? Yep. It happens to the best of us. And you, drink, you start you to put, slow yeah. down or you start to do something and you don't have your turn signal on. They don't know what you're doing and then they have to like slam on their brakes or do something or ram into you or whose fault would that be? Well, there's another. Whose fault? No. no. <laughs> Let me ask you this. You did, I think it should be illegal and it should be 100 days what in if, prison if you don't use your turn signal. What if I get a – what if I get I'm a, kidding about that because I'm not What if I get a phone call? You know, you get these robocalls, right? Yes, I love them. And – I talk to them. They keep me warm at is it okay to Is it okay to be rude to that person? I mean well, it's, it's not even a person. It's a, it's a robot, right? It's a robot. Yeah, so I can be yeah. rude to that. How is that different so, from – Telemarketing in general, I think, is a creation of the devil. If I believed in a devil, well, let's not open that can of worms. But yes, so but and that's related to turn signals. But no, I'm kidding. But I if I need to be, if you're saying I need to be in the habit of using turn signals, I should also be in the habit of being polite to people on the phone, even if it's not a real person. Was Jesus polite? How's where's that? <laughs> what? Yes, he was. Jesus said no. please and thank you. 
He said no. he learned from his mother. Hey, no. Jesus was not. No. Jesus no. is about false humility. Pol politeness is oh. about false kindness. It's about, yes, of course, you look lovely in that dress. Wow. When in actuality, they look terrible. And as a friend, if they are your friend, you will tell them, you know, I'm not sure that's the most complimentary thing that you have. I don't think I can ever go to a Presbyterian church again now. Why? I don't Because you wear ugly dresses? I wear ugly. The truth about Jonathan Malone. Everyone said they look good on me. They said that. Wrong I don't do it, but those, you know, that's you. That's you. Hey, I've got great legs. And I'm not ashamed you of it. You do actually have impressive legs, thank I might say. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank Your you. calves are, wow. Yep. I've worked hard on those calves. Yeah. Moving on quickly again. <laughs> you do the kind of hiking I do, you get great legs. Seriously. <laughs> again, quickly moving on. So, all right. Well, I, I, I like the idea of the habits. Because um, there is that, I mean, this is where Catholics get this right about a habitual yeah. grace. Yes. I think we might call it a sanctifying grace. Okay. But but the idea of this grace that pulls you into being a better person. Yes. And that we live into those habits. So that yes. idea of using a turn signal as a habit is great. I, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. I don't know if I'm going to do it yet because it is a lot of work. It's so hard to click it and then if it doesn't click and ugh. I pity your soul. <laughs> You know, you're spending extra battery power of your car. I mean, it's not environmental. Wow. <laughs> it is environmental if you're considering how it affects other people. Whoa. That was good, Eric. That was nicely welcome. done. That was nicely done. Let me just pour a little more. Yeah, right? Yeah, we'll have a little more to drink there. So I hope that before your next uh, Communion Sunday, so we have a, I'm not going to get this posted before our next Communion Sunday. Maybe I will. Okay. Probably not. Um, but you do it the first Sunday of the month? We do, sadly. Yeah, same here. Same Very here. Protestant. Yep. Well, we don't want to make it rote. Not too, not too common, but common enough. Right, right. Um, I hope before you do it, you uh, ask people, did you use your turn signal to get here? I will. Yeah. And we record our sermons or our services, so I will send it to you. Good. And if they don't, and if they say, no, I didn't, refuse them. I will. <laughs> if you did not. Well, see, that's the thing, though. I can't refuse people at the table. I with am... that theology, with my theology, yeah, you no one can be refused at the table. So it doesn't even matter. I'm not going to bother trying hard. I'm just going to go to your church for communion. Folks, if you're a sinner and love being a sinner and don't want to stop, Become go to the University Presbyterian Church in Tempe, Arizona. We will take you, and we will love you till you become one of us. Yeah, that's nice and cultish. Yeah. Um, what I, I am did that gonna, on purpose. Yeah. What I am going to do when I next time I do communion is <sighs> okay. Um, just as I walk from the pulpit to the table, I'm going to make the turn signal sounds. I go. Oh, you should totally do that. <laughs> just as I do the turns. <laughs> okay. So, folks, let's see if we can. That's my some, Let's see if we can bring some, some kind signals. of summary up to this first. So during Advent, use your turn signals. It, it just common as, courtesy. As a practice of penitence and preparation mm. for the coming of Christ, use your turn signal. How's that for a combination? That's nice. For the love of God, use your turn signals. Yeah. You know, and don't cut people off. Let them in. It's just let them in. It's fine. And the zipper. That fraction. The zipper. Please, Thank you. Please, if you're merging on a highway, a every other car goes. The zipper makes it work. Okay. Such a hard comes. This is brought to you by the Department of Motor Vehicles. <laughs> Every state in the union. <laughs> yeah, just even Montana. Yeah, in Massachusetts, I think they're called the bursars of motor vehicles, and other places have the registry of motor vehicles. I've been okay. to both the RMV, the DMV, and the BMV. I don't. I, I had a joke and it left me. I yeah, just... that it wasn't worth it. It, it was. Just, it, it was right there. It, it wasn't. So, folks, yeah. Um, Think about Advent. I mean, really take it seriously uh, and think about this time of pre preparing for the birth of Christ, however you understand that. Or take, the presence of God. Or presence of That's why I said, however you understand that. Eric, can you just let me have a... For crying out loud. Why Decently have, and in order, my friend. Decently why, and in order. Why haven't I asked you to be on a show before? I have no idea. 
I am entertaining. Exasperating. But I think – You know, my wife says the same thing. Yeah. Weird. Weird. I, I found the audience – my audience loves it when I'm exasperated. They love it. So You are fun when you're exasperated. You're welcome, world. <laughs> you're welcome. And I've got a bird to show all of you. Um, so Tweet. Take, yeah, take Advent seriously. And second, um, just, you know, I, I, more than just the turn signals, common courtesy. Common courtesy. This is just... Recognizing the holy in the other. Recognizing yeah. the presence of the divine in the other. Yeah. That applies to everything. It's... Take... I wish that this was before the election because take that into the voting booth. Yeah. Well, take it to the shopping mall as the shopping holiday, as shopping time increases and people get crazier and angrier. Bring that with you. And buy local. Oh, yeah. Buy, buy local, please. Uh, Down with Amazon. Amazon is the Walmart of the Internet. It really is. It is. It's insidious. It I is. actually, yeah, if I have to buy online, I go to Barnes & Noble first. Even yeah. though that's not much better, it's still. We have a local bookstore called Changing Hands, and it's a, it's a used and new bookstore. It's a nice. beautiful, and they do they. Jimmy Carter came when he got put his book out. They have a lot of authors come. Yeah. If you have a local bookstore, not yes. a Barnes Noble, if you have a local bookstore, even if they have three or four different um, locations, it's still go local. use that. Yeah. Go use that local because that's using your turn signal. Also, if we're going to use that as a metaphor. Wow, that's quite a metaphor. That's a bit of a reach for that metaphor, but I'll no. give it to you. No, wow. it's not a beat. So it's connected to Eucharist. So Changing Hands Bookstore, that's the one you want to endorse? Changing Hands in Tempe and Phoenix, I believe. Okay. I will endorse Books on the Square, which is in Wayland Square in Providence. Um, there's a couple other local bookstores in Rhode Island, but that's the one I use. It's the one I go awesome. to. Eric, what time is your worship service? 10, no, 9.30. <laughs> <laughs> so but, but they all told uh, well, you. We, have, we do worship at 9.30, and we have education for children, youth, and adults at 11. And right now we just are finishing a uh, four-part series on the theology of Harry Potter books and J.K. Rowling. Oh, nice. What Eric doesn't know is the worship service actually starts at 10.30, but they all told him 9.30. There's some on time. Yeah. No, it starts no. at 9.30. 9.30. So if you're in the Tempe um, area or however you pronounce it um, or anywhere around there, Go to the University Presbyterian Church at 9.30 in the morning. You'll have rousing worship, engaging sermons, and um, a lot of turn signal sound effects. Because Eric's just going to start bringing them into his That's worship. Right. It's going to be all part of everything now. Yeah, And if, if you're in the uh, Rhode Island area, East Greenwich. And we're shifting gears. <laughs> that, do you need to use a turn signal if you're shifting gears? Okay, that was a bad one. <laughs> that, that was <laughs> Right. I was like, I mean, I've only driven. I meant like shifting gears in the worship service. Oh, We're changing, okay. transitioning. <laughs> yeah, it didn't. Work. Right. I've only, I've never driven a standard, so I didn't know, and I didn't want to assume. <laughs> manual. It's so hard to find manual transmissions. I know. You've got to go out of your way now. That You've been be... trying to do your closing this whole time, and I keep talking. Go that ahead. could have been your rileage. <sighs> Next time. Next time. Next time. So if you're in East Greenwich, or the, or just in Rhode Island, you can come to the First Baptist Church. Uh, at 9.30 for our worship. So 9.30 here, 9.30 in Arizona, same time. We worship at the same time. And can I put a plug in? Jonathan Malone is one of the most insightful and theologically <gasps> sound preachers I have ever heard. Oh, my gosh. And I encourage you to go and listen to him. He is amazing, and wow. you will be inspired in your faith. Eric, I wish I could say the same for you. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> No, no, no. Thank you so my, much. My sermons are available at upctempe.org slash sermons. Yeah, and go listen you can go to go check them out. Go check out Eric. Eric's a good guy. Eric's, uh, <laughs> you gave me such a great compliment. How do I respond to that? Thank you so much, Eric. That By putting me down. I, I see how you work. <laughs> we have such a great friendship. We do. We do. If you want... I build you up because you're shorter than me and you That's... cut me down because I'm taller. That it only seems fair. As the way it should be, As and the... meet in the middle. We meet in the middle. The nice... Shamil, Shamazel, Puffin, whatever, incorporate. Never mind. Okay, yeah. You... I'm going to do <laughs> it my way. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, Eric. Come uh, on, Laverne and Shirley. I, sorry. <laughs> I can't keep up with your references. That's the problem. Um, it's great to have you on the show. We'll definitely have you on again. We'll figure it's it out. Been fun. Thanks, Jonathan. Uh, and thank you, thank you so much. Rylage. I'm talking about Rylage. <laughs> <laughs>
Wow. Okay. That um that certainly was something, wasn't it? That was I I just I didn't expect Eric to go where he went. I didn't expect it at all. Uh so Eucharist, left turn signals, right turn signals, just use your turn signals. Um Advent, fasting, it was just this was an action packed episode. And you're welcome. If you have any comments about this episode or any other episodes, I encourage you to let me know. You know, share your thoughts, your ideas. Uh, if you want to jump on the Malone Advent bandwagon and fast and all that stuff for the Advent season, let me know. I just, it'd be fun to have people to commiserate with in my um, self righteous misery. That's what I shoot for self righteous misery. Uh, but, anyways, you can do that by sending an email to 12enough, that's 12 written out at gmail.com 12enough at gmail.com you can come to the Facebook page and uh, like and follow us on Facebook at Facebook slash 12enough I encourage you to go to the website 12enough.com and you can find the show notes for this show and past shows and all other sorts of fun things it's fun, you know, coloring books Sudoku puzzles, crosswords uh, water slides pinwheels fun things things that we would have to have fun uh and um as always please go to itunes like and rate the show this one is serious no 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 silliness here like and rate the show because it really does help get other people to listen um share about the show tell your friends about the show say hey i just found this great show about christian faith and culture in the modern age and i think you should listen to it and your friend may say what? I don't need another Christian show. And you say to them, yes, you do. You need this one. Um, practice that dialogue a couple of times and then go out and try it with some people. Let me know how that works out for you, too. So thank you very much for listening. I do hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you so much. Ugh, that was clumsy. But anyways, thank you so much for listening. 12 Enough is a podcast about Christian faith and culture in the modern age. Your hosts were Jonathan Malone, the pastor of the First Baptist Church of East Greenwich, Rhode Island, and Eric Letterman, the pastor of the University Baptist Church of Tempe, Arizona. I'm never going to get that pronounced right, and you know what, Eric? I don't care. The thoughts, ideas, opinions, notions of, of Advent and driving and all those kind of things, pronunciations and mispronunciations, and everything else on this show do not reflect their churches, their denominations, their friends, their places where they live, the DMV, the RMV, the BMV, or anything else of that matter. These are their own ideas. This is their podcast. And keep an eye out for 12 Enough After Hours.